would do something special. You do something special in our hearts. Transform us this morning. By your spirit, I pray. Amen. Are you, are you finding yourself always on the verge of being burned out or burned out? Are you overwhelmed by your schedule? Are you overwhelmed? Are you burdened by all the things going on in your life, all the things that are on your, on your plate? Is your passion to serve in the places God has placed you caused you to be always on edge and, and, and even irritable towards others? If that's you this morning, if you, if you see, feel yourself of being on the verge of burnout or maybe even burned out or um, you, you're overwhelmed by um, the things that you have to do in your life, you're, you're overwhelmed with what, what God has maybe called you to and, it, and it's affecting your relationships, it's affecting um, how you view people. If that's you this morning, uh, my prayer is that this familiar passage will hopefully breathe new life into all of us. It's interesting that in Luke records that in this scene, Jesus withdraws and is welcomed into the home of, of Martha. He, he withdraws from the crowd. He's been hanging out with the masses. He's been uh, doing on his ministry assignment. He's been touching the lives of many people. And then Luke says he withdraws to this woman's home. And it, it appears from the context that, that they had anticipated his arrival. They knew he, were, they knew he was coming, and Martha and her sister Mary were preparing uh, accordingly. And this is important in a hospitality-driven um, culture. You, you know you're having guests. You want to make sure everything is prepared so that you can show yourself to be hospitable and not bring shame upon your guests. And what we read in this episode, what we read in this passage is a contrast of two sisters and how they both responded to the presence and words of Jesus. Mary responds by leaving behind the prep. Verse 40 says, uh, as, as Martha uh, it says, Lord, why, don't, don't you care that my sister has left me? So it's not like Mary uh, wasn't helping out from the get-go. It says she left the preparations when Jesus showed up. Martha responds with, with indignation. She's upset. She's irritated. Uh, she, she's troubled. Jesus says she's troubled and anxious, that she's been left to do all the hosting and serving by herself. Yet Jesus commends the action of Mary, and he redirects the indignation of Martha. He does not say Martha's desire to serve was inherently wrong. That, that would go against his own teaching. However, in this moment where Jesus has withdrawn away into seclusion to a more intimate setting, he acknowledges and he acknowledged that there was a better path, though, for Martha. And Mary found that path, which was fellowship at the feet of Jesus. And so when I, when I was reading this passage and preparing for the sermon today in light of my own life uh, of being pulled in many directions at time, I, three, three revelations and one invitation stood out to me. And I'll go through these quickly for the sake of time. Three revelations or, or, or three, three things that were revealed to me as I uh, was reading and preparing. And the first one is this, and this is your first fill in the blank, is that Jesus is the person and place from which we find rest and refreshment. Jesus is the person and place from which we find rest and refreshment. 
This is, what, this is what Mary had come to understand. This is what she had come to believe. This is what many others in the Gospel of Luke had come to know, that, that, that coming to Jesus and being in the presence of Jesus, you're able to find rest and refreshment. And it makes sense because this is what Jesus offered as the good shepherd. And this is not only what he offered, but this is also the type of life that he modeled. That he modeled. That is, taking the time to rest and be refreshed in the presence of his father. Dallas Willard, um, a pretty um, well-known theologian and spiritual discipline guru, for lack of a better word, um, story is told that he's, he's at lunch with, with, with a couple friends or other pastors and theologians. And um, in true Dallas Willard form, he asks a question. How would you guys sum up Jesus in one word? So you got a table full of pastors and theologians. Like you, you're about to get like A plus Jeopardy answers. You know, they're like compassionate, sovereign, authoritative, powerful. Meek, lowly. And so everyone goes around and then they ask Dallas. And they said, Dallas, what, what, what would you say? How would you sum up one, Jesus in one word? And Dallas Willard says, well, I would sum him up as this. Relaxed. Relaxed. One of, the, one of his friends who recalled this, this episode, he's like, if anybody else would have said that, well, I would have, like, jumped down his throat. But because this is Dallas Widow, like, I knew there had, to, there had to have been an angle. There had to have been something more to this. And so he, he, he chewed on it, and he went back, and he, and he realized, huh, actually, that's a really accurate description of Jesus. Think, think about it. Think about it. Jesus, um, Jesus arrives in Bethlehem, and for 30 years, nobody knows who he is apart from being the carpenter's son. Mary has these inklings of he's supposed to be special. The angels told me and Joseph that, you know, he's going to save people from sin. And, um, but for 30 years, none of that is happening. Jesus is just a normal dude growing up uh, in, in Nazareth. And then, and then when he actually finally launches out into to, to ministry, he only has three years to carry out his earthly mi- uh, ministry in his physical body. Yet, in that three years, which is a short period of time, like COVID was almost three years ago. That's how, that's, so let's look at the, the, the beginning of COVID. It was like three years ago next month. Uh, so three years, although that feels like 10 years ago, um, it's, not really that, it's not really that long ago, but you, you never see Jesus. In her, if, you only, if you knew you had only three years to fulfill your life's purpose, I bet people wouldn't describe you as relaxed. Yet, what we find, Jesus, is that he's never in a hurry. He never allows himself to, to be rushed by the disciples or the crowd. In, in fact, uh, John 2, uh, John records that there's a wedding in Cana, and his mom has to kind of like push him out there. They, they run out of wine, and, and she's like, Jesus, uh, they, they run out of wine, and, and it's going to bring shame upon them. And she, she's frantic, and Jesus is like, what this got to do with me, woman? My time has not come yet. She, so she pushes him. Jesus often withdrew to solitude. He, 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 would, he would give these amazing teaching. He would display these amazing, uh, miraculous works of God. And the power of God was strongly upon him, and then he would just disappear. 
he would withdraw into to solitude and, and silence. I mean, Jesus is the guy who the disciples are on a boat, on a ministry with, uh, assignment with Jesus, and they're caught in the middle of a huge storm. And these are fishermen who are, who are used to th this kind of weather, and, and, here, and here they are. They, they know uh, whether or not a storm is good or if a storm is bad, or if they can just push through it. And, and, and this storm is something that even caused them to be alarmed. And, and, and they're like, where, where, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? So they're looking for him on the boat, and they find Jesus asleep in the middle of a storm. And the same language that Martha uses, the disciples use in that scene, they said, Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus, don't you care that I've got all this stuff going on in my life and I have no help? I feel like I'm doing it all by myself. I have no energy. I have no strength. Yet everything needs to get done. And it seems like I'm the only one that cares. Jesus, don't you care? But Jesus is relaxed. Martha. Martha. Relax. That's what Jesus is inviting us to. I, I want you to be able to come in my presence and not feel like you got to do, do, do. You got to put on. You got you to you be this person. You, you, you got to be Pastor Terry or, or you, you got to be, you know, a super dad. You got to be super teacher, super mom. You got to come and relax. Jesus is the person and place where we find rest and refresh. As much as we love Psalm 23, how many of us actually allow the Lord to lead us beside still waters? We, we like the, yeah, they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm walking through. I'm going. We like the active part where we're doing stuff, but before we even get to that, he says, he leads me beside still waters. He restores, he refreshes my soul. Revelation number two is the second thing that stood out to me is that Jesus reveals our hearts in order to heal our hearts. Jesus reveals what's going on in order to heal. Luke records that Martha was distracted. She was pulled away from Jesus as a result of much service, that, 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 that word um, that she was distracted by all the preparations in NIV is actually the word in Greek, diakonos, where we get the word deacon, uh, is the word service, ministry. She was distracted by ministry. She was distracted by, by service. She was drawn about and around, not, not by anything bad or sinful, but her desire to serve became the, set, became the very thing that pulled her away from hearing Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Something good, something honorable, something necessary became the very thing that pulled her away from Jesus. 
She was anxious. That, that, that describes an inward uh, uneasiness. She was trouble, which, which manifested itself in her outward confusion and, 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 hustle and hustle and bustle. But Jesus, he notes something. After, after Martha, you know, kind of goes off and calls him out, don't, don't you care that my sisters left me? Don't, don't you care that I got all this stuff going on and, and nobody helped to help me? Jesus, he, he, he reveals when he responds to her that it, it, this is not just a singular moment thing. This is, this is something, something deeper is, is going on because he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. This episode, this episode is revealing only something deep. You, you have a, a pattern. There's, there's something going on that's keeping you bound up and, and tight and, and irritable. Your, your, your desire, which is good to serve and to, to be a blessing and, and to honor me, your, your desire to, to, to take care of all the things that you need to take care of, to, to love people, to serve people, that desire is eating you up. Because it's consuming you. It's consumed you to the point that even when I show up, your focus is on the stuff you got to do rather than, rather than me. Jesus reveals there's a deeper concern that he wants to address in Martha. Martha, come on, it, it, it ain't that serious. This ain't that serious. There's something deeper. There, there's a pattern you've allowed yourself. So Martha... You're on empty. Martha, you've been, you've been ignoring the signs. You, you, you've, you, you've been ignoring the, the, the fact that you need to sit down and rest. And I love how Jesus responds to her. He could have been like, girl, you tripping. That's how I would have probably did. Yeah, that's the, that's the modern nature. Martha, you are crazy. But no, he says, Martha, Martha. And it's interesting that any time Jesus uh, uses someone's name twice, it, it, it's used for either he's getting ready to commission them to do something or what he's getting ready to say is uh, very, very emphatic or it's, it's an affectionate, a concerning use. Martha, Martha, relax. He, he's tender with her, yet serious. Jesus is also the one who is tender with us when we're at the end of the rope and he, he enters our world when we, when, it, when we realize finally that we've run out of gas and we probably should have stopped and we probably should have rested. We, 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 we probably missed out on all those opportunities to be replenished and refilled. Jesus doesn't say, I told you so. Look at you. Look at you. Huh? Oh, now you come. Now you want to pray. Now you need my help. No, he says, I hear you. I see you. I get it. You're frustrated. I know there's all, I know you got all that stuff on your plate. But I have something better for you in this moment. I have something better for you. But, and, and for me, in my own mind, but I'm like, but, but Jesus, I, look, I, I, gotta, I gotta take care of this stuff. I gotta do. I know. I know. The kids got, got school and they got games and they got, they got this and then I'm getting pulled from work. I'm getting, and then I got to come home and got dishes, got to cook and the family's called it. 
I know. Jesus, I've been working all day, 10, 10, 12 hours, sitting in front of the computer, and now I got a sermon prep for a Terry, Terry, I know. Relax. I have something better for you. Martha's problem, we move on, uh, was a heart issue, and Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. Can I ask you a question this morning? What's in your heart? What's troubling you? What's got you on edge? What's got you at the point of burnout? It's a good time to, to pray with Psalm 139, 23, 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What's in, what's in your heart? You might be in the, in the as we finish up the sermon, you, things might be coming up. Feel free to write it on your program. Write it on the lyric sheet. What's going on? Identify those things. Jesus reveals them not to call you out, not to make you feel bad. But what did you say? What was the article you sent me? You can't heal what you don't name. You can't heal what you don't reveal. And Jesus wants to heal what's going on in our hearts. Last thing, uh, that stood out to me is this. Walking with Jesus requires knowing when to serve and when to sit. Walking with Jesus requires knowing when to serve and when to sit your tail down. That's how they would have said it growing up where I'm from. <laughs> A lot of us like to think walking with Jesus is like this, you know, straight path. In a straight line the whole time. Just follow the yellow brick road. That, that's how we like to think. But as I was thinking about this, following Jesus is more like a dance. We, we got any dancers? Any, any dancers in the? For my wedding, we took ballroom uh, dancing lessons to do for our, our, our first dance. And it was, it was interesting because when you're dancing, and especially when you have a partner, and, and, and as if you're leading someone and, and being led, there, there's tension. There's tension going on because uh, th there's a lot of starting and, and stopping and, and redirecting and slowing down and speeding up. There, there, there's a lot of things going on, and, and you have to recognize at any given moment, what am I supposed to be doing at this moment? A am I supposed to be slowing down or am I supposed to be speeding up? Am I supposed to be turning? Am I supposed to be going straight? Well, and that's, it's identifying the, what rhythm is taking place. Life is, life walking with Jesus is more like a dance. As he leads us, we have to pay attention to the rhythm. We have to flow with how he is leading it. Martha's unwillingness to discern the moment caused her to question not only the actions of Mary, but the action or the inaction of Jesus. She says, Jesus, don't you even care? Look, at she, she left me. Why don't you tell her to... Why don't you get her? Go get her. And Jesus says, nah, there's a, there's a better way. Martha sees Jesus as uh, Mary is lazy and Jesus as an, an enabler. And I, I'd imagine as much as we like to pick on Martha in this story, there's more Martha in us than Mary. 
I promise you, at least for me. And so we must, like Mary, learn the art of discerning the better from the good. Yeah, all the stuff we have on our plate, I don't, I, you know, I, for the benefit of the doubt, I'd like to believe that the stuff on your plate is not inherently sinful or evil. That everybody in here, the stuff that's going on in your life, your busy schedule is not filled with sinful, evil, lustful things. But that is, it, it's, it's filled with, I'm just trying to take care of my family. I'm just trying to get these bills paid. I'm just trying to serve the community. I'm just trying to love my neighbors. I'm just trying to do this job to the best of my ability. But Jesus is inviting us to dance with him as he leads us, knowing when it is we need to serve and when it is we need to sit. When to pour out and when to be poured into. Because our doing, and especially our doing for God, can't come at the expense of being taught by God. It's cliche, but you cannot pour from an empty cup. And if Jesus was not always on, if Jesus knew when to withdraw and when to engage, then we don't need to be always on as well. If Jesus knew how to rest, take a nap, withdraw to be with in fellowship and communion with the Father, who are we to think differently? So one, one quote, then we'll, 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 we'll wrap this up. Um, when, we, when we exercise, this uh, pastor, Kerry Newhoff says this, when we, when we exercise proper discernment and, and opt to rest at the feet of Jesus, we create margin. This is, this is the, the unspoken for space or time in our life, the, the, the things that are not filled up, the free time, if you will. When, when we opt to rest at Jesus' feet, we create more time for God to do what he wants to do in us, through us, and here's the kicker, without us. Without us. That's a sobering sobering reality to know that God don't, Jesus doesn't need us. His kingdom will march on with or without us, but he chooses to use us, but he doesn't want to use us at the expense of what he wants to do in us. Because we can't pour from an empty cup. And so the invitation, the the, the what, what is what is Jesus inviting us to? Jesus is inviting us to then deeper fellowship outside of productivity. He's inviting us into deeper fellowship outside of productivity. Martha, in that moment, Jesus was, was speaking. Uh, Luke records that Mary was sitting at his feet listening to his logos, his word, the, the message. The, it, it wasn't just listen to him talk but this was Jesus listening to Jesus like speak speak like transformative speak this wasn't small talk this was Jesus transforming life-giving spirit-filled words life-changing word of encouragement of comfort 
maybe of rebuke. It was, it was Jesus inviting her to strengthen her through his word, through his message, through the gospel. Because his word transforms, it, com it comforts, it, it shapes who we are, and it deepens our knowledge of him and ourselves. It draws us closer to him in ways that we don't experience if we're always on the move. And don't get me wrong, Jesus is not against service. He's not against productivity, but it must not fill our lives to such an extent that we have no time for him to teach us, for him to speak to us. And I worry that, I worry that in our results-driven, productivity-rewarding society, many of us allow our busyness to crowd out time and space to really sit quietly at the feet of Jesus, absorbing, hearing his word. We are a sound bite, 30-second TikTok, Snapchat society where uh, we think all we need is to get that good inspirational quote from that good famous pastor with millions of followers and I'm good for the day. I got my word. Now, Jesus is offering something deeper than a 30-second. He wants, he's inviting us to the well that never runs dry. And he's saying, I need you and I want you. I want you to desire to drink deeply. Because the only way you're really going to fulfill God's purpose in your life is if you allow him to refill you. If you allow him to refresh you, to restore your soul, to lead you by Steel water. So this morning, are you weary? Are you, are you tired? Are you at the brink of burnout? Have you already burned out? Jesus offers us a different way, and I'll close with the, these words from Jesus. That's you. He says, come. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, troubled and anxious, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will, you will, this is a promise, you can take it to the bank, you will, if you slow down, if you sit at his feet, if you carve out the time, if you make space for him, you will find rest for your soul. Why? Because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Therefore, our central truth and closing thought is this. Our service and or productivity is not a substitute for sitting at the feet of Jesus. Our service and or productivity is not a substitute for sitting at the feet of Jesus. Did you take him up on his invitation? He's waiting. Terry, Terry, come relax. Your name, your name. Come relax. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. That you offer us a place for rest and refreshment. I thank you that you are the one who speaks to us. The one who delights to speak with us. The, the, the one who delights to commune and fellowship 
with us. God, I pray that you would give us a strong desire to sit at your feet. Give us the courage to withdraw, to lay, lay aside, set aside, to press pause on the things of life, to press play on fellowship and communion with you. God, help us to understand and know that it's our communion with you that actually fuels our service and the things that we do. So may we constantly and continually keep coming back to the well that never runs dry. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed us till we want no more. In Jesus' name, amen.